0: I'm going to share with you this morning uh, the scripture that we're going to be looking at. This comes from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to start on verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right now we want to uh, dismiss all the kiddos. Did they leave already? Did I miss it? Well, yes. if you're still a kid and you're still in here, you can head out this time. Your, your son hit Tony on the started? head. Did he I saw that, Tony. <gasps> what? Not that I wasn't paying attention to the scripture, too, but I saw I feel like happened. I need to reread think, the scripture again. I think he's again. saying no head coverings <laughs> for males is somewhere in the Bible. No, I'm, well, that's in the Bible. I should never open that can of worms. All right. We are in a series uh, called Practice Gathering, where for eight weeks, we are focusing primarily on those uh, verses that Aubrey just read. Uh, because what we observe is this group of, of believers that gathered together um, initially, right after Jesus ascended and the Spirit was poured out. It says in verse 46 they met together every day in the temple courts, so in a public space, a space that's you know, primarily uh, focused on worship and prayer and, and God, uh, but also in their homes every day. That's a lot. Of meeting, But they they did that. And they didn't just get together every day for the sake of getting together. Uh, They, it says in verse 42, devoted themselves to four things that kind of summarize what they were doing as they gathered together. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And so what we're doing is we're looking at each of those four things two weeks at a time. So the last two weeks we looked at how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and what did that mean? And one of the things that that meant was, the primary thing was the gospel, the good news of Jesus, who he is, God, who became a human being, what he did, including dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, but also being raised to life, life after death, in a human body, ascending to heaven so that the spirit of God is available to us, all he did, and then what our response should be because of what he did, what we're called to. So that's part of the apostles teaching and then also it's the Bible, the scriptures. So they devoted themselves to teaching the scriptures which would have been the Hebrew Bible or what in our Bibles is the Old Testament. And then there was a collection over decades that came of their teachings which we now call the New Testament which the church has affirmed as inspired by God as true to the teachings of the early apostles. And so they devoted themselves to those things. Now, for the next um, two weeks, this week and next week, we're going to talk about how they devoted themselves to fellowship. And before I get into explaining what I think about this, I just uh, would like you to think about what did that, what do you think that meant? What did it mean that they devoted themselves to fellowship, or some translations would say the fellowship? A lot of times I notice I ask a question, then I just keep talking, no one can even think about it. So I'm just going to give a few moments. What do you think it meant that they devoted themselves to fellowship? All right. Anybody want to suggest something? It's not just one thing. What what would would this look like? Building relationships? Relationships? Intentional connections? Sharing encouragement? encouragement? Say it again. In fellowship with those in like beliefs. Good. What were you saying? Oh, a shift in the schedule to be able to devote themselves to it. It it wasn't already happening, they had to make a shift. Good, we'll we'll leave it there. I mean, I really wanted to draw more, but that's all right. I'm going to leave it there, because I have struggled with this, what it means. I have wrestled with it, um, partly because we need to take not just what it meant for them, what does it mean for us? What would it look like for you, or what does it look like for you to devote yourself to fellowship? What does that look like? Now, the word here in Greek is koinonia. And the common or the root of koinonia has to do with being something in common and uh, communal. Now, I looked up every time I could find koinonia is in the Bible, and that it's different English words get translated. Koinonia gets translated in different English words. And um, I looked up every passage, and I even looked up almost all of them in commentaries. So I was really trying to get, what does koinonia mean here? What does koinonia mean in this passage? What does koinonia mean in that passage? Then, I don't normally do this on a Sunday, but for whatever reason, I'm just really trying to get at, what was koinonia? So I looked up three systematic theology books. What is koinonia? And I, I felt like I had something, and I, but it didn't just quite land for me. And then this morning in the shower, which, you know, 50% of the time, the holy water comes out of the shower on Sunday mornings, and uh, like a portal over heaven, like, oh, this is what I... So what I realized this morning that I hadn't thought through is that all those uh, forms of koinonia, I looked up, some were nouns. Koinonia is a noun, and there's a verb form of koinonia, so, there is, there is the fellowship or a fellowship, and there is fellowshipping. And that was why I was getting confused and trying to just say it in a word because there is multiple angles at it. So, I want us to look at both angles. My uh, systematic theology professor at Fuller, Velimati Karkanen, he had all of them listed um, as well, and he gave a few different. Um, Examples of, here are words that the Bible is getting at when it uses koinonia, and now we're talking about the noun. Association, a communion, fellowship, close relationships. So, are you committed to a fellowship or multiple intentional fellowships or fellowships within the fellowship of Jesus followers? That's a question I want us to think about for each one of us are you committed to a fellowship like really intentionally and explicitly so right before i want to read what happened right before this acts 242 through 47 that aubrey read verse 38 says peter replied repent they're asking what by the way the group is asking what do we do jesus did this we know we're missing the mark what do we do Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. A couple things I want to point out. Uh, Repent means change the way you think. It means change the way you think in a way that would change your behavior. So if you're going this way, but the Lord is saying go this way, you need to change directions and go the other way. And he says with many words, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Now, I have a question Is our generation corrupt? And by the way, he's talking to religious people. He's talking to people so religious that they would travel to come gather for religion. So it's not just like the bad people who would never come to church or don't believe in God and hate God. But in our generation, are there ways that we are missing the mark of what Jesus says? This is how you live. If so, we need to change the way we think. We might need to change our schedule. We need to change to align with Jesus. So that was one of the things. Repent. Change the way you think. Another was be baptized. Now, there's lots of different ways that we have um, focused on what is important in baptism. And certainly, one of the important uh, aspects of baptism is what it says, a sign of what it is between our relationship and the living God. That is absolutely true. But for many throughout church history, I would say how I would take the Bible's understanding of baptism as a whole, it's not just that. It's not just baptism is a sign of what's true between God and I, that I'm committing my life to him, that I know that I need to be washed. That is true. But it's not just that. It is a sign that you're entering the community of faith that you're entering the fellowship. You're entering and committing to being with people who are intentionally following Jesus. So after they were baptized, the next thing it says is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer because when they were baptized, it was like, yes, you get my life, Jesus, so I'm joining with the others that are following you. It wasn't just me and Jesus. It is a communal thing. One of the ways that our generation is corrupt in U.S. America is we are hyper-individualistic. The Bible is not even close to hyper-individualistic. There is a we. From front to back, God is looking for a people. He wants a people where he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. All the way till you get to the very end in Revelation where a heavenly city comes down. It is about a people. So, if we think it's just Jesus is me, so it's what works for me, and when it, when I'm, how can I stay close to, to God, and it doesn't have to do with what is, it, what is it right here, then we might need to change the way we think, and actually change how that would affect how we live, because it isn't just one way. Okay, here's one example of that. First John. So this is John who's with Jesus and talks about, the, I'm telling you about the things that I've seen and heard and experienced and touched when I was with Jesus so that you might have eternal life. And then verse three, it says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship, may have koinonia with us. And our fellowship, our koinonia is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our fellowship, our koinonia, our community is with God. God. Then it goes on to say, um, God is light and in him there is no darkness. Verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship, koinonia, with him, with God, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he, God, is in the light, we have fellowship and koinonia with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Here's what I want us to think about and wrestle with. It, God does not separate, do we have a relationship with Him, and do we have a relationship with each other who are following Him? They are one and the same. So, um, let me read one quote. This is from Emil Bruner, a theologian who passed away long ago, but I really enjoy him. The body of Christ is nothing other than a fellowship of persons. It is the fellowship of Jesus Christ, that's where koinonia is in 1 Corinthians 1, nine, or fellowship of the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 13.14, which is the blessing I often use, or I've, I've adapted it a bit, but the blessing I often use at the end of the service, in Philippians 2.1, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit, where fellowship or koinonia signifies a common participation, a togetherness, a community life. He goes on to say the faithful are bound to each other through their common sharing in Christ and in the Holy Spirit. So when we say yes to Jesus, I give my life to you, Jesus. I need your forgiveness, Jesus. I need your Holy Spirit to empower me, Jesus. When we say that, he says, okay, then you're part of my body. And so my body's connected. So that is, that is it. Okay, the Spirit is going to connect us. So that's what's happening now. That is true in a universal way, like every believer all over the world of all time, we are connected to them somehow, but then there's also this way that it lives itself out as a sign here and now that we are connected to a particular group of people. And we say I'm connected to a particular group. So when you're baptized, what you're saying is, I am committing to run with this group. This is the group I'm running with in following Jesus. Or if you've already been baptized, but you want to join the church, you say, I am publicly saying I'm going to run with this group. I'm committing to this group. This is it. Now, my question I'm pushing it a little bit is, do you have that? Do you have a group? Have you done that here or somewhere else? Whether it's formal or not, do you know the people that you're saying, this is who I'm committed to? This is my fellowship in following Jesus. So this week, I met with uh, a Knoxville Area Ministerial Association. We meet together once a month. We shared, and people shared pretty vulnerably this week, about what's going on in our life because we are all followers of Jesus, we are part of the body of Christ, we are in fellowship with each other, we get together regularly. I have a group in the sending network that I do that with. Those things are different than me meeting another believer or another pastor or someone else who I also have a relationship with but I'm not in the same kind of fellowship with. And all that's different than how I'm in fellowship with people here. There are ways that I'm here and committed to here and make this primary. And then even here, there are fellowships within the fellowship. The elder board, we have a task to do, but we also become a community. We study scripture together, we pray together, we care for each other so that there is community. We're meeting together multiple times, most months. There is a community there there's a fellowship within our bigger fellowship so it can look different ways i'm not trying to get overly formal or organizational but i also think that just being casual of like oh, i'll just run into people when i do and when i feel it, are we devoted to fellowship to a fellowship to fellowships Because we are following Jesus, and we need to do that with other people. Okay, so that is the noun. Now, the verb, koinonia, sharing and participation, are Monte Carcanin's main words. Sharing, I think, fellowship and sharing are the two main words in terms of describing koinonia. Sharing, a generosity, caring and sharing, participating and contributing. And so my next question is, are you committed to fellowshipping with a fellowship or fellowships of committed Jesus followers? Are you committed to sharing, to participating, to contributing? Are you bringing something to a group of people that are following Jesus? That's what it would mean to be devoted to fellowship. I'm going to read. I, at one point... I went through everything after Acts. There's lots of books after Acts. And I just started reading, like, what are the ways, what are, the, what are examples of where the New Testament says, this is how we do this, this is how we fellowship together. And I, every single book of the Bible in the New Testament is going at This is what we do together. This is what we commit to. This is what it means to follow Jesus. We're in it together. And this is how we contribute to building each other up. But rather than go, I had many examples, I thought I would just take one example that that gets a lot of the different aspects of it. From Romans chapter 12, start with this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And what he's gonna go on to describe in our offering, in what we sacrifice, is a lot of how do we relate to each other in the fellowship. Verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, let me, I ran into somebody this week, a friend of mine. I asked him, um, we had a chance to just actually sit down and talk for a little while, so I said, so what is it that you're excited about right now? What are you, in, what are you into? What are you focused on right now? And he said, um, which is exactly what I was expecting, I, well, I'm reading a ton on interpersonal neurological biology. Yay, yeah, okay, and how the kids? No, I didn't, I mean, <laughs> interpersonal neurological biology. The funny thing is, and I find out Camille's like listening to talks by the guy of the books he's reading. But anyway, interpersonal, between people, neural, neurological biology, it's a study of the brain. And what he says is, what the, and he's reading like what's coming out, the freshest research, where they've been, been bringing this, is that the way that we're interacting and that the way it's changed how we're interacting, interacting in person is changing how our brains are wired. Now I've heard this for many years, particularly as it relates to our phones, but I think about it like because we relate to our phones, I haven't thought about, they're studying what happens, which parts of the brain are being active in different types of interacting in person, and what chemicals are being released. So which parts of the brain are being interactive, because it can be a good thing when you're interacting with a person, and it can be a not good thing when you're interacting with a person. And a different part of your brain will get triggered. If you're with a person that's hostile, the back of your brain's gonna get triggered and you're gonna be in a fight or flight mode and it's not great. But in good relating, in eye contact, in listening, in being, just being with someone, it can be very good for your brain. We, um, A chemical called dopamine gets released, it's, a, it's part of our pleasure center, and so the things that like give immediate pleasure, stimulation, a lot of that, that will get that dopamine going. But the dopamine, when it floods our, our system, it means less serotonin is produced. And serotonin is a chemical that allows us to be content, that keeps us from a, a little more calm and being less anxious. Now you think about this. If we have less serotonin, less ability to just be content, less of that at our disposal, we will have high levels of anxiety and depression. And what we'll think we need is whatever will release more dopamine, which just makes the problem worse. Now, I have known that one of the ways to do this, I'm looking at doctors going, they're going to tell me where I'm getting this wrong. I I think I'm in the ballpark, I might not be perfect at how I'm explaining this, but Well, I have known that part of it is meditation. It's being okay to be in quiet. That's part of how you you have serotonin get released. And so things that we have as Christians in prayer, in reflecting on scripture, are things that are actually good for our brains and our bodies. But I hadn't thought about the interpersonal side. And he said to me, my friend said to me, it's like a muscle that atrophies. You don't use it, you lose it. So when I was at Central College, I played basketball on the, on the basketball team, so I had to run a lot, I had to use muscles, I had to lift weights, I had to do all that. And so, even though that was at times painful and dis- discomfort and all of that, my muscles were ready to be in use, and it took more to make them sore. Now, 30 years later, a lot of atrophy in this flabby. There's a lot of atrophy. And so it doesn't take as much for me to be sore or in pain. I am more easily injured. I cannot do what I could do before. Now apply that to our interpersonal relating. We don't do as much of it. We aren't intentional about it, so it's easy Easier for pain. Harder for us to do. We're not very good at it. Thus, we do even less of it. Which makes more isolation, more depression, more anxiety. We need to practice gathering. We need to practice relating with each other. And now if you put God in the mix, now you're really getting somewhere. But in our corrupt generation, and I'm not saying in our these are bad people, I'm just saying in the time we live in, what is it is unnatural to intentionally be in interpersonal relationships. To grow in Jesus. And we're gonna have to be intentional and change the way we think to choose to do it. And so thus the question. Are you choosing? Now, what does this look like in, in Romans? Let me just keep reading. For, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God have, has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have, all have the same function, so in Christ we... Though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each, so if I belong to Jesus, this says, I don't just belong to Jesus. I belong to others who are following Jesus. My life is not my own. If I say, I want you, Jesus, my life is not my own. It belongs to him, and if it belongs to him, it belongs to his people, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it, is, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Okay. So whatever gifts you have, whatever you have to offer, whatever you can, then you should use it. Don't let it atrophy. Use it. Use it for who? Use it with who? Well, at least partially, maybe primarily, the fellowship. That's what it means to fellowship with the fellowship, is you offer something, you share something, you give yourself something, you are with someone. What else does it look like? Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Who are you devoted to? in terms of others that are following Jesus. Be devoted to one another, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. participate, contribute, share, care for a group of people that are also following Jesus. Now, we want to be gathering to go with the presence of Jesus. One of the tensions could be like, we, we aren't trying to create something like where we're only with, with church people, we're only with people that follow Jesus, we only do our own little thing, we create, our, oh, it'll be great, we'll be nice. And no, we want to go. We want to go, but if we just go On our own, in our own power, my fear is that we get more influenced by the world than we bring Jesus' influence to the world. I need help. I need other people encouraging me. The New Testament is filled with one another's. This is what we should do together. Encourage one another. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Be kind to one another. We practice together because we need each other. We need goodness to come to each other. Last passage I'm going to read, and I want to read this because I want to get at this idea that it's both and. We need, to do, we need a group of people that we are committed to, and it might shift from season to season, but we need to be with other people who encourage each other, not just for our sake or their sake, but for the world's sake. So, Jesus, chapter 13 of John, he says this, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Notice, it's a command. It's not like, hey, it's not too inconvenient for you. Hey, once in a while, if you think of it, it's a command to love one another. Who's he talking to? Disciples, people that are committed to following him. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, If you love one another, certainly we should love the world. But also we need to love one another. He says that's how people are going to know. And it's not just like a one-off thing. It's like this is the night before he's going to die. These are important things he's saying at the end. And he says it. And then a couple chapters later, he pretty much says it again. Chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then a little bit later, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Three times, this is my command, love each other. For us to love each other, we need in each other, a fellowship. Others who are following Jesus, and we're joining them in doing that. And so, I just want to say the church is not like a service provider. It's not an organization to be a service provider. Well, we create services, and then we offer our services of of carrying people that are going through a rough time, or we offer our services of going out on, on some projects when they're needed, and that's our primary identity is as a service provider. The church primarily is a fellowship of people who serve one another and the world. So there is service. But we're primarily called to be a fellowship with him together. So how does it look? How does it work? Um, This week... We had people come and pick up. Some of you might remember, if you were here in December, we had these trees and stars hanging, and Steve Bellin and Camille had created these trees. And my brother's church, The Bridge, is doing a, I can't remember what it's called, like a Tim Tebow prom for people with special needs. And so they saw that. What are you doing with it? Could we use all that? Sure. So Camille was, was going to line it up with them, but then she couldn't be here, so she asked Judd and I, could we help carry the stuff out and, and get it to them? They're bringing a flatbed, and can we do it? Sure. So I see, oh, they just pulled up. Okay, they're coming through the door, and, you know, one comes through the door. Okay, and then second comes through the door. I'm like, all right, here we go. This is what I am expecting. And then all of a sudden, another one comes through the door. Okay. And then another one comes through the door. And then two more come through the door, and I'm like, uh, I mean... It's nice. Some are a little bit big, but like Judd and I could have actually loaded for them if they really needed us to. They didn't need six. There were two more. There were eight people that showed up. And I was like, oh, they're going to, man, they wasted their time. What are they thinking that they all came? And so it's a bunch of retired people, some of them farmers. So it did take them a long time because you know, this one said, this is how we're going to do it. And this one said, this is how we're going to do it. And this one, you know, there's there a lot of uh, like experts negotiating with each other in how we're going to set this up. It was humorous. But as, there, as that's happening, one of them just says to me, yeah, we knew he only needed like two or three of us that could do it. But I just don't want to miss out. You know what we do every day? We just, we'll ask the bridge, what do you guys need? Or we'll find out some other need. And we'll all go do it. And we love it when we can go out of town. (laughs) So there wasn't something that the church organized. But These are all people that go to the bridge and say, we're going to be together to serve each other. There's a crew that sets up for the bridge. I don't know. I think, I'm not sure if it's the same group. At least some of them are maybe the same. But they, you know, they don't have their own building. Well, they do, but they don't have, that's not where they worship on Sunday mornings. So they have to bring everything in trailers, load it into the place, set it all up, then take it all down. And they've been doing this for over 10 years. Well, a group of them that's committed to that, they get done, and then they drink coffee and eat donuts, and they say, you know what? We mainly want to do that. But for 15 minutes, we're going to talk about the Bible together and then pray for each other. That's koinonia. See, and I love, I'm talking about the bridge, but there's all kinds of examples of that here, too where people are finding ways to connect intentionally. What we could do sometimes is try to figure out, like, how can we get people to sign up? And then what we think about is like, well, okay, well, people can't on this night, and a lot of people can't on this night, and what is the most convenient way, and people can't every week, so we don't want to create... But the more that we water that down, the less it's actually koinonia. At some point, people have to choose to say, this is what I want to prioritize. Because I I want to be devoted to a people who's following Jesus. I want to be a people who cares. I think that one of the ways that you can care the most, or that you can be cared for the most here, is if you're caring the most. Because it's hard to know what's going on in people's lives who come in and out and we don't know. But people who are here and contribute, we know. So I'm thinking of Steve and Rhonda Van Rees, who um, have been caring for people in all kinds of ways over the years. Steve has is, is got a not good diagnosis. He hasn't been here in a long time because of his diagnosis with cancer. And even still, emails for prayer, this is how I'm praying for people. Little gifts. This is how they're... Little things they do to serve other people, to give gifts to other people, to be part of the fellowship. And Rhonda, I'm pretty sure Rhonda is the one who said, I went to this church for like a year or so, and then I got in one of those two, how to read the Bible or how to pray. I got in, in one of those two with seven other women. That's when this became my church. Because she wasn't just attending. She got to know people. And she said, that, that was many years ago, several years. She said... I heard her, this is like a year ago when she said this to me, and those are the same people who are caring for me as I've been going through all this with Steve. It's Koinonia. So, in moving towards an end, my question is what might be a next step for you if you want to be in fellowship? And just using the things we're talking about, apostles' teaching, there are these classes. This isn't the only way to gather around Scripture. I love that people will just do it. They're just doing it on their own. There's Bible studies. We're going to talk about this at some point. There's Bible studies happening in workplaces. There's Bible studies happening in schools. There's groups that say, hey, I'm going to gather. And it's just, because that's just what we do. We're followers of Jesus, so we're just going to do it. But if you're looking for a way to do it and you don't know how, this is a great way to try for six weeks or five or six weeks to gather around Scripture. Um, Yeah. There are... One, one thing I would say about just here is if you want to be part of koinonia, show up early or stay late. So, that's when our koinonia happens. People are here. Look for people who are just looking for someone and connect with them. Go, go eat. Eat, you know, breaking of bread. Breaking of walking tacos. Let's do it. The, the speeders group, there, there, are, there are ways. And in prayer... You know, the prayer ministry training, What I was talking about the brain thing, I think praying with someone is just very powerful. Having someone pray for you, being a person that prays for others is very powerful. Upper rooms are starting, our upper room worship night starts back up this Wednesday, upstairs, 7 p.m., live worship every week an opportunity to pray on your own, but also to be joined with others in worshiping and praying has been what we've been doing. So those are ways. Is there a step the Lord's asking you to take? I'll invite the worship team to come back up. And before we close with a couple songs, just want to create some space for the Lord to, to guide. Maybe there's a way. What, what, does, what do you take from this? Something Is there something that you want to do next with this? So let's pray. God, I imagine that if there's a desire to be part of authentic community um, with other Jesus followers, the first step some of us would have to take is to become a Jesus follower. Thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross, to forgive our sins, to cancel whatever it is, however we miss the mark, and that you invite us to follow you, the risen one, to give our life to you, even if we don't know all that that means or what that would take, that you would send your spirit to help us figure it out. And so just to start, if there's any here who have been thinking about that, who are wondering about that, who, who wonder about it as I'm praying it, this would be your opportunity just to pray. Jesus, I want you into my life. I want you become the center of my life. I need what you have to offer, love and forgiveness and a presence that will never leave me. And even for those of us who I made that commitment long ago and still are in that commitment for us to really live out Koinonia Fellowship. Yeah. We realize you are the source, that we love because you first love us, that we're able to forgive because we're forgiven by you. And so just pray for that afresh on all of us here that, that believe in you so that your blood would wash over us, cleanse us the power of your victorious cross would be released in our lives this morning, afresh, anew. That our primary energy for gathering together wouldn't be guilt. It would be grace. It would be that you love us and are with us and there's more for us. And we get to be part of the love you give and share release love into our hearts this morning afresh. release your Holy Spirit your helper helper be with us in fresh ways this morning new ways and finally Just ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead us. Is there a way for us to be devoted to fellowship, devoted to the fellowship? A step that you're wanting us to take or at least explore. Would you make it clear? Thank you that of the many, many gifts that you offer to us. You offer to us the gift of being part of a family. Regardless of how our relationships are in life right now, you say you can be part of my family. I want you to be part of my family. May we be more and more reflective of who you've designed your family to be, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.